Well, hey, everybody, and a very big welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. It's awesome that you could be with us from wherever you are in the world as we take a look at the last message in the series, Mirror, Mirror. Now, as we've been journeying through this, we've been having a look at the right balance of self-esteem. Do I think too little of myself? Do I think too much of myself? What's the right balance so that we can be all that God says we are, not what other people say we are, and not what we are calling ourselves. So before we jump into this last message, let's pray together, and then we'll get right into the Word. Father, we thank you that you are a God that's growing us and shaping us. Thank you that we can come together from all around the world and be together on this special week as we prepare ourselves for the wonder of Resurrection Sunday. Lord, we honor you, we glorify you, we respect you for all that you have done for us. We love you with everything that we are. And we pray blessings on every person that's joining in this message right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, as we've been journeying through this series, as we've been journeying through this topic of the, the right balance of self-esteem, we've been looking at a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, which says this. It says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. You see, when we're having a look at this concept of being who God says we are, that scripture says that we need to be removing certain veils. We need to be putting certain things down. We need to have certain lenses of how we think about ourselves and how we feel about ourselves removed so that we can see clearly what God says we are. And sometimes we have this problem. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says that we need to have the right balance of our self-esteem. We need to be in good balance. And sometimes we use things, people's opinions, the labels they give us, the labels we've given ourselves, the hurts from our past, the way we feel. We use this, this imbalance of our self-esteem and we get out of balance and we find ourselves thinking too much of ourselves, too little of ourselves. And in the end of the day, we are completely out of balance. And some of these veils that we want to put down, some of these things that we need to take away so that we can genuinely see who God says we are and we can genuinely feel how God feels about us, not feeling down, not feeling prideful, but feeling how God feels about us. If we need to put some of these things down, and we've been working through what we've had to put down. And if you remember correctly, week number one, we took a look and said, hey, let's put down these feelings of inadequacy. And you're more than welcome to go back and have a listen to that one. If that one appeals to you and you haven't heard it yet, you haven't watched it yet, go back and have a look and have a listen to feelings of inadequacy. You can get all of that on our YouTube channel as well as the online podcast. But then we had a look at week number two and we said, well, hang on, we need to put down the need for control. And for those of you who have said, yes, that was a great message, I put down the need for control, but then went right back up and picked it up again, you're still dealing with the need for control to be put down. And then number three, we said, hey, and this is where a lot of healing and growth happened last session, well, hey, how do we put down the right to be offended? If somebody's hurt you or hurt someone that loved you love, how do you put down the right to be offended? And then finally this week we're going to be saying, well, hang on, how do I put down, this is a big one, the longing 
for approval. Now, I want to tell you right up front, when we think about the longing for approval right up front, my name's Craig, and I am a recovering people pleaser. Maybe you're like me, and you have to get your mind in order as regards being a people pleaser. I want to say to you that, hey, sometimes I'll come down off the platform from preaching a message and teaching, and I'll go home, and we'll have people over, or we'll go out for lunch as a family, and we'll have people with us. We, we seem to have a lot of people with us after messages. It's just one of the, of the, of the, of the tricks of the trade or the, the things of the trade. When you're involved with people, there's a lot of people around you after, after service. And we'll go to these lunch meetings or go home and have people over. And, and I would press them and say, hey, how did you feel about the service? And then they'd look at me and go, oh, the worship was fantastic. And then I'd keep pressing them because that's not the answer I wanted. I, I want the answer of what they thought about my incredible, fantastic message. The, the, the message, the teaching that radically changed their lives. I, I want that answer. So I'll ask them a bit more. You know, how, how, was the, how was the service for you? Oh, it was great to see so-and-so at the service today. It was, it was great to see this happen and that happen. That's still not the answer I want. So, so I'll press in and, and I'll say things like, well, what did God speak to you about during the message. Oh, well, actually, you know, one of your points triggered something that someone had told me, and then my whole heart just falls through because it means that my words weren't the words. It wasn't the, the story that I told or the incredible angle on the scripture that I had that changed their lives. I, my words reminded them of somebody else's words. That's just not good enough. I want people to, to like what I said, admire what I say, tweet what I say, take photographs of what I say, change their lives by what I say, post Instagram messages because of what I say. So I'm sorry. I am a recovering people pleaser. And I can quickly get wrapped up. Maybe you like me. I can quickly get wrapped up in wondering how we can make the next thing happen that makes sure people are pleased by what we're doing and admire what we're doing. Maybe you're like me of previous years, was completely and utterly sold out, wrapped up in being a people pleaser and needing their admi admiration, needing their positive contribution, needing their affirmation to be able to feel good about yourself. And this kind of behavior doesn't just manifest in preachers. I'm not the only guilty sinner in the room, but it also manifests in all of us in crazy, crazy ways. We, we, we get caught up in this people-pleasing motion all the time. So here's some things you might want to write down or you can click on the notes. Well, here's five symptoms that might be existing in your life if you are a people-pleaser, if you are somebody that's looking for people's affirmation in your life and their approval. Number one, you're going to worry about what others think. You're going to worry too much about what others think. You're going to be thinking all the time, hey, I wonder what they thought about this. I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder what they're thinking if I wear this or if I wear that. You are becoming wound up in what other people think. You might be saying to yourself right now, yes, I do worry about what other people think. Well, if that's you, you can raise your hand in, your, in the living room you're sitting in right now. And if somebody else is in the room, just try and hide the fact that your hand is going up because you don't want them to think that you are admitting to worrying too much about what they think. Maybe you are 
or constantly looking to buy the right clothes, hang out with the right people, be at the right functions, go to the right um, events, be all that you can be to the group of people that you want to get approval. You are constantly worrying about what others will think. You wake up in the morning and you think to yourself, well, who am I going to see? And, and I'm going to adjust my day. I'm going to adjust my wardrobe. I'm going to adjust things because I'm seeing so-and-so. Or I'm seeing this person or I'm seeing that person. You worry about what you look like. You worry about your weight. You worry about you weigh too much. You weigh too little. Not because it's healthy or unhealthy, but because of what other people are going to think about you. Maybe number two, this is a symptom of you. You are often overly sensitive. You are often overly sensitive. Now, you might be going, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not sensitive. I'm, I'm good. Well, you go out and buy yourself a new wardrobe and then see if you're looking for other people to say you look good. And what happens when they don't say that that new dress, that new shirt, that new pair of jeans looks good on you? You get offended. In fact, I know of people who've left the church because certain people didn't notice that they'd had something done to their hair. You see, when we, when we get overly sensitive, we make knee-jerk reactions because if people don't phone me back on time, if people don't say I look good at the right time, if people don't notice me, hey, maybe you are overly sensitive, you haven't been at church in a while because you've had to be in hospital and nobody came to visit you. Nobody came and spoke to you. Nobody came up and looked at you. Nobody came up and told you the time of day. Nobody came and showed you to your seat. Nobody gave up their seat. You are constantly finding reasons to think that people don't like you and you're constantly seeing evidence of where people are rejecting you. That's what's causing you perhaps to be a little bit overly sensitive. I find that when it comes to being overly sensitive, the world has created an environment now on social media that we're constantly checking whether or not people even called it like us. It was one of the worst things, I believe, that we could have ever called the action of, of agreeing with some content or being part of content alike. Because that word, that connotation, that like, has become so real to us now through social media. When we post a comment, when we post some content, we back immediately looking if certain people have liked it, shared it. And when they don't, we unfriend them. We unlike them because they didn't do what we wanted them to do. Maybe number three, this is the big one, as you slide down the scale of symptoms, as, your, as your, the disease to please gets worse in your life, maybe the first symptom, you worry about what others think, maybe that happens to you, maybe that kind of happens, but maybe number two, yeah, that touches the bone a little bit more, I'm, I'm a little bit sensitive sometimes, but maybe number three, and this is a big one, as the disease to please creeps up on you, number three is, hey, you compromise your values to please other people. Well, you might be thinking, how, how does anybody compromise values to please other people? Maybe you are a really sold out to Jesus young Christian woman, and you have found what you believe to be your future husband, and your boyfriend is, is a relatively good guy, 
but because he is constantly pressuring you, because he's saying he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, that, hey, you come along and you eventually have sex with your boyfriend before you are married. Because you want his approval before you are able to step in to the confines and the beauty of marriage. And so you set aside your values because you want to be a, a people pleaser. Maybe it's not, you're not in that situation. Maybe you are just uh, hanging around people right now that tell bad jokes, use foul language. Maybe you've started using bad language because, hey, you are in a place where um, I, I use bad language and, and, and I, I'm accepted in my, in my group of people when I use bad language. When I'm in the motion of, of being in that place, when I'm in the place with my friends, they all use bad language, so hey, I use bad language. But inside, I hate using bad language. Well, you've compromised your value to, to please other people. Maybe you're in a group of people that you really want to be part of, and they tell bad jokes, and you laugh at them, even though inside you're not laughing at them. You've compromised your values to show people that you want to be pleased by them, and you want to please them. Maybe number four is a sensitive or is, a, is another symptom that you have in your life. Maybe it's a bit sensitive to you, but um, when you're a people pleaser, one of the things I've noticed as a Christian, if I'm a people pleaser, hey, I often hesitate sharing my faith. I hesitate sharing my faith. And I found that this is a crazy thing because I will be walking with people in the store or be out with them, out and about. And the obvious thing for me to say to somebody that approaches us would be, hey, can I pray with you? And we don't often ask that. Or alternatively, the obvious thing would be for me to encourage you. We don't often do that. We don't often do what our faith asks us to do in the moment of being with somebody that we're trying to please. And this goes especially true for our non-believing family members. It's awkward to share your faith with those that you're related to because they kind of roll their eyes at you and say, oh, you crazy Christian. So you'd rather have their pleasure then share your faith. You'd rather have them think well of you, not roll their eyes at you, not think that you're a crazy Christian, than share your faith. Symptom number five, if you are a people pleaser, sometimes you'll hesitate to share your faith. And here is the one, the next symptom that you might be having in your life because you're a people pleaser. Here's the, the next one that is real to me. You have a hard time saying no. On the inside, you are saying no. In the inside, you're in turmoil. On the inside, you're going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But when somebody comes up and asks you to do something, on the inside, you're saying no. But on the outside, you find yourself going, sure, when can I help? On the outside, you're agreeable. But on the inside, you're in turmoil. On the outside, you put out this, this, this veneer of being agreeable and, and liked and, and a good person and, and just accepting and just loving to do things for other people. But on the inside, you've got issues. 
You've got turmoil about what you're doing. Should I help? Shouldn't I help? Am I helping just because I need to please this person? Or am I helping because I want to honor God? I've got this turmoil going on the inside of me. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'd like you to do this or do that. On the inside of you, you know it's the, the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong thing to say. It's the wrong thing to think. But outside, you're agreeing with their thought process even though you know it's wrong. You're agreeing with what they say. You're telling them a story that you know is not true. You, you're giving them facts, slightly twisted, just so that, that, that the conversation seems to be more pleasant. You tickle their ears with enough information of what you know, but it's not the whole truth. On the inside, you're knowing that this conversation's not good. This interaction's not great. There's turmoil on the inside of you, but on the outside of you, you're agreeable. Is that you? Have you found yourself in a conversation recently that you know is not quite true, doesn't have all the facts, maybe some of the facts left out, just so that you could be on the good side of the person that you're having the conversation with? That's all part of saying no. You see, you need to be able to draw boundaries with what you communicate, who you communicate to, how you communicate things. You need to be able to say no. On the outside, you might be agreeable, but on the inside, you're in turmoil. Hey, have any of these symptoms struck a chord with you? Have, have you thought, yeah, that's, that's me sometimes? Hey, I might not have explained it correctly, and my apologies, but I think you get the understanding, you get the gist of what I'm trying to say. That, hey, sometimes we have some of these symptoms, all of them, one of them, some of them, operating in our lives, and we become people pleasers. We become and have this desire to fit in and get the approval of somebody, of everybody. And sometimes we find that we're losing a sense of approval from God because we're getting so overwhelmed with seeing the approval of others in our lives. Our ego is at play. Our ego is driving us all the time. Affirm me, like me, approve of me, want to be with me, love being around me, you got to have me, you got to need me, you got to have me in your world because otherwise I don't have a world to belong to. We've got this constant drive from our ego to want to be a part. Rejection is something that our ego is repulsed at. Our ego cannot handle being rejected. Our, our pride, our, our lives can't even fathom being rejected. We run from rejection and we run towards the affirmation of other people. We become obsessed with what people think about you or me. We become ex 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 obsessed with what people think about us. And when we become obsessed with, with the way people think about us, that's the fastest way to lose or forget what God says we are. I'm going to say that again. When we become obsessed with how people think about us, we lose and forget what God or who God says we are. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25 says it like this. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Did you see that? Fear of man will prove to be a snare. That word snare in the Hebrew means mokesh or is mokesh. And that mokesh word is actually the hook by which an animal was trapped or caught. 
It could be referring to a lasso or or some other mechanism of catching and trapping and tying down involuntarily the animal. Some believe it was a it was a hook that was actually put in the nose of the animal or a, a ring that was put in the nose of the animal. But really, it was all about entrapping, involuntarily trapping the animal to behave in a certain way. This Mokesh practice. And and has people pleasing got you trapped? You know on the inside who you want to be, but when you're around other people, you're certainly not that person. And you almost feel trapped that you have to do what they want you to do. You have to say what they want you to say. You have to be the person that they want you to be. And you feel trapped, tied down. In fact, the story that comes to mind is when we recently, our family recently moved into a new home. And um, at the time when we, when we built the home, we, we didn't have a fence. In fact, we still don't have a fence but we've set up certain abilities for our dogs not to run away. And we live on quite a busy road, and our biggest fear was, was that our dogs would run away because there was no boundary and uh, no fence, and they would get knocked over by a motor vehicle. So for their safety, just for a little while, we had to tie them down. We had to put a, a long rope so that they wouldn't run across the road until we got our ducks in a row and sorted out how we were going to keep them in the boundaries of our property. And so what we did is we had to tie these dogs down. We had to keep them safe. We had to leash them. We had to mokesh them to the ground so that they, would be, they wouldn't get hurt. But then we established the proper work mechanisms of keeping them in our property We could then untie them and they could have freedom within the boundary of our property and not blow that boundary and get hurt. Well, that's what the scripture is saying is that sometimes we need to understand that if we're going to be worried about the trapment of people and what people think, we're going to be tied down. We're going to be tied down and we're not going to have much freedom. We're going to always be running around thinking what we have to say, thinking what we have to do to keep people happy with us. I would rather, as that scripture goes on to say, I would rather trust in the Lord and the boundaries of the Lord and be safe, but be free within those boundaries to be who God says that I am. And so as our dogs got up and were untied and they were now able to run in safety within the boundaries, they left the Mokesh behind. And you too can leave the binding, you can leave the entrapment, you can leave the chains of people-pleasing behind and run in the safety and freedom of the wondrous boundaries of what God says you are and not what other people say you are. You see, when we put people first, when we put people ahead of God, when we say that our thought processes are more oriented towards what people think of us rather than what God says we are, when we think of people kind of more than we think of God, And I've got a good illustration for this as well. How many of us go to church or go to a physical location, not so much the online campus because it doesn't matter what you look like because you're sitting there in your living room, but um, when we come to a physical location, we are sometimes more worried about what people will think of us than what we are here do, there to hear from God for. We will come into the room and say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm worried about what so-and-so is going to think, what so-and-so is going to feel when I arrive, and do I look okay, and do I, am I wearing the right thing to go to this church, and am I, am I okay with everybody? And we forget for the moment that we go to church to worship God and hear from Him. We put people ahead of God. In Scripture, when we put anything ahead of God, that's called idolatry. 
And so when these five symptoms of people pleasing start rising up, know that we are actually removing God and putting the thoughts of people ahead of what God says we are. You know, when we have a look at this process of idolatry, when we think through the fact that actually, when we get trapped to what people think of us, when we get trapped of who they feel and what they feel towards us, we are in fact worshiping their opinion rather than worshiping the promise of God. You see, when we are people pleasers, we worship the opinion of other people rather than worshiping what God says that we are, rather than following through on, on the promise of God. How do I get into a rhythm, though, of worshiping the promises of God in my life? How do I get into a rhythm of identifying what God says I am and not getting trapped, not getting into the mokesh of people's opinions? Well, the very first thing that we can do, and there's two steps to this, the first thing that we can do is actively focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10 says this, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If people pleasing is what you're trapped in, you have replaced Jesus, you have replaced God with the opinions of people. Therefore, you cannot be a servant of Jesus Christ. If these five symptoms are operating in your life all the time and your entire life is bent out of shape by the opinion of other people, well then, you're going to find that your relationship with Jesus is going to grow strangely dim and further and further away from you. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. We please God, according to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, by operating in our faith. Our operating in our faith. People can see what we're wearing. People can see what our hair looks like. People can see what we, what we drive. People can see where we live. These are all things that are operating outside of the boundaries of faith. But when we are able to walk out what God says we are, even though we can't see that, we are now beginning to operate within our faith that God has given us, according to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. And when we operate in that faith, that is when, according to that scripture, we're going to have the appropriate balance of self-esteem. It's only when we start operating in the promises of God through faith that we will begin to have a balanced understanding of who we are. It's only when we start receiving the promises of God, and even though we can't see them, we start walking them, that we'll see the correct balance of self-esteem in our lives. But when we get so focused on the thoughts and the understandings and the opinions of other people and the conversations that we have to have and the places that we have to go, the people we're going to be with, when we get so wrapped up in that, we are dwelling outside of the realm of faith and we are now backing our own understanding, our own reasoning, the things we say, how we say it to please people. We begin to manipulate our own lives to make sure that people like you. And when we get to that place, we are far away from operating in the faith, in the unknown, in the beauty of the promises of God, and we become trapped by operating in the space of our own understanding and our own manipulation. It's a scary thought to know that when we become people pleasers and those five symptoms in life start to rear their ugly head, that as we become more and more addicted to the approval of other people, we actually become masters 
of manipulation. We'll even manipulate our own words. We'll even start saying things just to please them that we know doesn't please God. And when we get to that space, we are in fact in a place caught up, mokesh. We are caught up, we are trapped to the opinion of other people. We have to focus on understanding. We have to focus on in the moment, every moment, what will please God? What will release blessings? What will release promise? Not what will release opinion of me, or what will release people liking me, or what will release people accepting me. No, what will release Jesus in the moment? Now, many of us have stood up and said, I believe in Jesus. He is the king of my life. But we haven't made him the king of our moments. We say that he is our Lord and Savior, but then we gossip and slander to get people to like us. We twist truth of a conversation to get people to think that we are know-it-all. We twist and turn and manipulate our lives just to fit in with other people. But Jesus is the king of our life, but he's not the king of the moment. In the moment, you need to say, hey, what is Jesus to me right now? What is Jesus saying I am right now? Is he calling me a manipulator? Is he calling me somebody that twists conversations to get other people to like me? Or is he calling me to greater promises and to greater things? Because I'm going to walk out in faith that which Jesus has called me. I'm not going to walk out in understanding of what people think of me. I'm going to walk out in faith the promises that God has placed in front of me, not the opinion of man in my life. And so often we get the veil of thinking we have to please people mixed up with the focus of God and Jesus in the moment. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10 says that I won't win the approval of those people. And that if I please people, God is far from me. So number one, focus on pleasing God in every moment instead of pleasing people in every moment. Number two, live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of of people. Live from the approval of God, which means we need to start living in faith that God has already given us His approval. He's already given us His affirmation. He's already likes us. He already wants to be with us. He wants to be at the party with us. He wants to be in that relationship with us. He's already given it to you. Before you could even try and please Him, He was pleased with you. While you were yet a sinner, He saved you. While you were yet sinning, He knew you. Why? Because God was already pleased with you before you try to please Him. Unlike people, you have to work really hard at getting their pleasing, at their pleasure. We need, to, we need to work really hard at working towards their approval. We need to work really hard to get people's affirmation. You don't have to work really hard in faith. You don't have to work hard at all to get God's approval. He has already approved you. He already likes you. He already loves you before you even began trying to please Him. Focus on pleasing Him to get away from focusing on, on pleasing people. We, we focus on pleasing God so that it distracts us from our earthly bent to please people. That's step number one. And now we realize that nothing we do will get God's approval because we are already approved. We don't have to work hard at getting Him to love us. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4 says, On the contrary, we speak as those who are already approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. 
My worth isn't based on what you think of me. My, my desires, my dreams, the promises that I have in my life, the purpose that I have in my life is not going to be fulfilled by your opinion of me. God, on the other hand, has said many things about me that are much more weighty than your opinion. God's promises in my life are much more important and have eternity at their heart other than your fleeting moment or thought about me. Becoming obsessed with what you think about me, well, that's just going to rob me of being able to see what God sees in me. Becoming obsessed knowing or thinking what you are saying about me is going to make me forget what God has already said about me. What has he said about me? What has he said about you? Well, in the notes, I've provided a list of scriptures that you might want to read through. You might want to get to know. You might want to really concentrate on if you're a people pleaser. Because if you can get the promises of God and his pleasure in you set firmly in your mind, you won't be seeking the pleasure of other people. Have a look. He says that you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. He says that you are forgiven and your sins have been washed away. He says that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He says that you are God's masterpiece. He says that you are the light of the world. He says that you are the salt of the world. He says that you are filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He says that you are a joint heir with his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He says that you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. He says that you are are a member of heaven representing him here on earth. He says that you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ and that you are greatly loved by God. These are all the things that he says that you are. You are loved and you are liked and you are pleasing to God. You don't have to seek the opinion of fleeting people to see the eternity of God's love in your life. Know that God is saying good things about you. The opinion of people is going to blur that image. It's going to misrepresent that message. And you might be finding that as you, as you journey through life, you do crazy things to get people to like you. You do crazy things to make people think that you're good. You, you do crazy things to make yourself feel loved. You do crazy things to ask God or to get God to like you when he already likes you. When people and their opinions don't really matter, it's the fact that you get to a place of understanding that God loves you, he is pleased with you, and that he has called you many beautiful things and many promises. Wow, what an understanding to know that I can detach myself from the mokesh of being trapped by the opinion of other people. And in receiving the wonderful promises of God of who I am, I can be liberated and freed. The promises become the boundary. The promises become the summation of my life. But the freedom that that boundary brings is so much more enjoyable than worrying about what people think about me. Put down the desire to always be right. Put down the desire to always be in control. Put down the desire or the thought process that you are inadequate, so you have to do something extra to make people like you. Maybe that's you. Maybe you like me. You think you're inadequate, so you think you have to say more, do more, be more, so that you can be adequate for people. You see, God works in the reverse. He's already called you adequate, so that you don't have to be doing all of these things to make yourself feel adequate. What we need to do 
is make sure that His Word is enough. That we're not trying to top up the promises of God with the opinion of people. But no, we are completely sold out to the promises of God and that is all that we need. We are blessed to have a God that has spoken many promises over us. He approves you. It says that He approves you in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one who is already approved. You are already approved by God. It's difficult to please all the people, but you can please God by simply having faith in the promises that He has spoken over you and putting down the veils that block you from having that perfect, wonderful, and acceptable relationship of worship with the Father. Make sure that Jesus is the, in the moment of your life all the time. Make sure that every moment He is King. Not just King over your life, but King over the moment. Take captive the thoughts of needing to be in control. Take captive the thoughts of inadequacy. Take captive the thoughts of a right of offense. And you will find that the opinions of people slowly drift away and the promises of God become reality in your life. Look into the mirror, the word of life, the Bible, and find the promises of who you really are. Don't be looking into the mirror of your opinion or other people's opinion of you. Because we'll always be seeking something that's not there. But with God, we find that which He has already declared. Thank you so very much for being with us during the Mirror Mirror series. It's been an awesome journey as we journey towards this wonder of Easter, the wonder of celebration of, of the Resurrection Sunday. I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend online as we celebrate the acceptance of Jesus. We celebrate the breakthrough of the power of God's Word, that not even death will hold God back from liking you. Not even death will hold you back from liking God and having a relationship with God. You have been that accepted that God would send His only begotten Son so that He would die and be resurrected and show you not just the fact that death will not conquer you, but that you have an eternal, heavenly existence that will go on forever. Glory to God in the highest, and blessed is He that comes in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. I look forward to seeing you as we journey towards Easter and through all the celebrations of one of the biggest celebrations that we have on our Christian calendar. See you this weekend and then next week, midweek, for a great and wonderful understanding of what it means to receive the resurrection power into our lives. It is the differentiator between us and all other religions, the resurrection of Jesus. Looking forward to seeing you again very soon. You be blessed. <music>